0: Hey, welcome NHL hockey fans! It's that time again—time for another edition of Talking Hockey. I'm your host Charles E. Smith Jr. This is an Inside Sports Production, presented by Humanica Media, and here we are. Just a few weeks ago, they started with 16 teams, and now we are down to the final two. It will be a team which has never, in its history, had a Stanley Cup banner. We'll see. Will it be the Washington Capitals? Will it be the upstart? Vegas, Golden Knights. We're going to get right into it. But as you know, I don't work alone here. I do enlist the help of the very, very best. And it doesn't matter if I even have to leave the country. If I got to go to the great north and then go further east and find somebody, I always find them. And what I have for you today, people, the man that I work with, I respect him very much. He has the glove hand from hell. You ever seen a goalie with a glove hand from hell? That's who this is. The man many of you already follow on Twitter at the Schwartz five four five four. That's Schwartz S C H W A R T Z five four five four. Here he is, Lightning Lonnie Schwartz, up there in a bunker somewhere in Eastern Canada. What's happening out there, man?
1: Well, it's hard to see the light out there. I've only got some spaghetti-type light vents so that you know nobody can really see in. So it's a little hot, but I do have oxygen. So that's good because I wouldn't be talking to you otherwise. I'm doing all right, my man. Clive's sitting next to me, whispering some hockey tips in my ear. Cl- Clive being my cat. He doesn't know anything about hockey, but he's chilling with me right now. I'm chilling with you. And hold on a minute. I recall a certain player at an NHL awards that I asked, how you doing? And he replied, just chilling, you? And if that quasi-Russian accent wasn't a bit of a hint, I'm talking about the grade eight, Alexander Ovechkin, Finally. Hold on. I'm going to do my best Dwayne Johnson. Finally. OB time has arrived to the Stanley Cup finals. (laughs) Wow. We never thought we'd be saying this about Ovechkin throughout this entire playoffs where we've been talking hockey. Have we once, like we, we said the first round right? Good chance they'll get out of the first round, maybe. I don't know. Second round? Oh, okay, no, not Pittsburgh. No, it, it's no, it can't happen. They, they, like, they've already lost so many times. It, no, no. Oh, it did. No, now Tampa, seven games. What? It happened? Ovechkin is going to the Stanley Cup Finals? This is incredible. <laughs> it's time in the... What? This is and then, hold on, the script writing gets even better. It's against his former GM with a team that's only been in the league since September.
0: Don't you love it, man? Don't you love it?
1: Who hired the scriptwriter? <laughs> is this that Will Ferrell movie, Stranger Than Fiction? And you're going to see Marc-Andre Flurry or Ovechkin midway during a game look up in the air, shake their fists, and go,
0: Who's writing this? What's going on here? Like You know, and the story is so perfect that the script wouldn't even fly in Hollywood because they would say it's too cheesy. There's no way all of these different factors could possibly fall into place. It's just contrived. The public isn't gonna buy it because you know what, you're not even trying here. You're not (laughs) even trying. You just try to make a story that's believable and maybe we'll go ahead and green light it. But there's no way you could write this story and think we're gonna put that out to the public and the public is ever gonna think that this could even possibly Be true, but yet it is.
1: Speaking to that, like we all remember when Vegas was announcing their team, and I'm going to go a little more in depth. That's what you bring me on for. We'll start from the goal out. The guy who's just absolutely blown everyone away once again, Marc-Andre Fleury. Well, let's remember, Marc-Andre Fleury was a first overall draft pick and was part of what Pittsburgh was building their franchise around, right? It's not just Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Flower was a first overall draft pick to help get them to where they were as a team. And he most certainly did. Then Matt Murray came along years later, back to back Stanley Cup champion. Now, last year, Marc Andre Fleury was vital in that initial push. But Matt Murray then took the flame and kept carrying it. And All they right. ended up winning a second cup. But going even further back to the expansion draft, a lot of people forget there was another goalie that was the highlight of that potential draft. He is now the starting goaltender for Dallas. That would be Ben Bishop. Yes. He was in net for Tampa. And Iserman seeing the writing on the wall saying, well, look, I got to protect Vasilevsky because he's my future. I know that. I'm going to lose Ben Bishop to the expansion draft. No question. He's the crown jewel. So he he, he trades him, right? You get that trade. And then Bishop signs as a free agent and he's off the market. But he even said Vegas talked to him and he got the impression Vegas was going to go younger. Now, Ben Bishop isn't old, but he's in his early 30s. So immediately you think, oh, yeah, for sure they were going to take him. Oh, but they want to go younger. Well, I guess those whisperings of Marc-Andre Fleury being unprotected, Fleury's older than Bishop. So it kind of threw a bit of shade on that for me because Ben Bishop, no doubt you talk to every scout Every GM, they said Ben Bishop being being unprotected, him? For sure he's going to get picked. And even he <laughs> thought he was going to get picked. So then Fleury gets picked. People are like, well, all right. I mean, he's a bit of a shadow of his former self. He's had concussion problems throughout his career. Is this really a guy that you can build a full-fledged team around? That was the first part. Right. But then there was the next part. <clears throat> Every single analyst... All looked at this team and went, well, the only real name most people recognize is James Neal. So they'll probably get their fair share of offense through James Neal. Jonathan March or so? Well, he had one good year, but can he really replicate that 30-goal season? I'm not exactly sold. Then there's William Carlson that everybody's going, oh, my God, look at this guy. He scored 10 goals last season. Right, 10. Everyone's like, where did he come from? Everyone's George McPhee is asking that question. 43. What this guy scored that many goals? You only had 10 last year. There was not a single player outside of Marc Andre Fleury and James Neal that everybody said you could really bank on. Everyone else was a legitimate question mark because they were second, maybe third or fourth line guys on other teams. And now everyone's sitting there going, well, look at how the draft ended up. Well, first of all, there's very little risk because you've got sample sizes with the guys you've got on Vegas. Not junior, NHL experience. So they had a sample size at the NHL level to examine. There were less protections per team, which obviously was a leg up for Vegas. But Charles, answer me this. When did we meet again? 2009. So that's almost a decade ago. Yep. Remember the NHL awards being held in 2009? Can, can you hmm,
0: give me a I believe it was Las Vegas at the Palms. Okay. So that was a year after they
1: had officially begun the NHL awards being in Vegas. So that's 2008. Now, if you were dating a woman for 10 years and going, I'm going to put a ring on that finger eventually, what do you think's going to happen 10 years later? you're gonna put a ring on it right morning Vegas for a decade and then when everybody said they were surprised I'm like look I thought Seattle was bona fide but it's like well if you're saying there's gonna be a team in the West and you've been dating a certain city at a high-profile event for 10 years guess who you thinks gonna get the team like seemed <laughs> to be pretty obvious but then you look at the history of that city I mean Two East Coast franchises failed, an international team failed because there are other professional leagues. And you thought, eh? Will it succeed? Eh? Well, where are we now? Where are they playing now? Yep. Oh, yeah. The Cup final. And they drafted a they drafted NHL talent that have gone far beyond any expectation. Even George McPhee is quoting as saying, "This could be a three to five year plan." And then this happens. He goes, look, I didn't even expect that. So any analyst or anybody who wasn't just drunk in Vegas who said 501, I got a like hundred dollars left. I'll put it is like a fun bet. I'm going to a hundred bucks. And they're like, there's, there's, there's hockey in Vegas. No, there isn't. So I'm just going to give it anyway. And then like, now they're like, okay, so um, that drunk bet I made in August is going to make me how much? There was not a single person of authority that said this would happen. Anybody else who said so is a liar. Absolute liar. No one saw this happening for Vegas.
0: None. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard, I've heard conspiracy theories because, uh, unfortunately, the way that the sporting world is now, uh, there's just so much shade that's thrown, or the haters are out in force saying that everything was rigged to get Vegas to the cup final. But when you look at it and look at the roster, like you said, where are the components that make you think that this team would be better than any other or maybe maybe on the just on the good side of mediocre? But what gets lost is when I watch this team play, and something that I noticed when I went to my first game at Staples Center and watched them play the Kings earlier in the season, and something that I saw when they played the Sharks in the last game of the season, and something I've seen through the playoffs is I have never seen a team that four lines relentlessly forecheck the way that they do, and that was my only concern with Vegas: is are they going to just run asunder at some point and just run be completely out of gas? Because I watched them, and that forecheck is just continuous. The opposing defensemen have no time. The back pressure is just incredible, and we're looking at guys like you know. Let's forget about the whole the top line of Marchiso and. William Carlson and Riley Smith and, Eric oh, and James Neal line, Neal Halle. and Holla and Tuck. But we're looking at guys like, I mean, uh, Belmar and Nosik and Ryan Reeves. And Ryan Reeves, I don't know if you've seen him, but he's not fast. He's no. not relentless, no. but he's not fast. Not fast at all. But those guys even, and he's the one who scored the, the series-clinching goal against Winnipeg. But I just the work ethic that Gerard Gallant, the coach, has put into that team is nothing short of amazing, and these guys deserve credit. Now, I understand the way that the expansion draft went, they were kind of set up to be at least mediocre. That's true, but nobody wanted them to be this good or could anticipate that they would have been this good, and if you look at the roster on paper, they shouldn't be this good. So all you haters out there, you need to start watching this team and give them the respect that they're doing. When you watch them, remember, you're not watching a a, a roster full of superstar players. When you're saying, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Why are they disrupting this, getting in passing lanes?" It is flat out hard work. It's not because all these guys on the roster were blessed with some ridiculous amount of NHL-level talent. A lot of them are middle of the road. But the thing is, it's 110% effort. Every single game, every single shift, that's why they're getting it done. And when you and when you
1: speak to the expansion draft, and again, I'm gonna go back to the dating process here. The NHL courted Vegas for a decade virtually before they got a franchise. And since that time, we've seen other expansion franchises either fail and get relocated, right? The Atlanta Thrashers right. okay, got relocated to Winnipeg. They were a failure. They were a failure from the minute they had an expansion team because while you looked at expansion that time, you thought a guy who was going to be a good starting goalie for them was really just a backup and had no real starting, like, what was it, Dunham. He was, he was selected oh, to Dunham. be starter, like Dunham, <laughs> backup goalie for the New York Rangers and everybody looked and thought, okay, that's a good pick, but he wasn't a starter, right? Starters were all protected. Marc-Andre Fleury is a starter. Ben Bishop is a starter. Those are the two names we've highlighted here. Obviously, the flower is the one there, but they were bona fide starters. The NHL could not afford to have a failure out of the gate. There have been multiple owners in Florida since they've received the team. Teams, like I just said, have been relocated. There's a potential five or sorry, six years from now for Carolina to get relocated because there's a new owner who's based in Texas. Failure after failure, even though Carolina won a cup, even though Florida went to a cup final, the product of the game is what people are concerned about. So when they win, this somehow is better in Vegas. It's fully intentional. Do you want to present a new product that's a failure that's been the laughing stock of our expansion system for over two decades? Like every person criticizing it for being too successful are the same people who turn and say, yeah, but look at Florida and how crappy they are. Well, they were given a disadvantage from the first day they operated, right? Right. So the rules had to get changed. So you can't say one and then get angry when the opposite happens. You can't say, well, look at Florida and how crappy they were as an expansion team. Okay, we'll change the rules to make a better expansion team. Oh, they're too successful now. It's like, well, what do you want then? Do you (laughs) want crap or do you want success? I'd rather have success as an investment. And if they're more successful than I even thought they could be in the first year of production, fantastic. Like any business that introduces a new product in its first year after years of research and development, and they expected $500,000 in sales, but gets 10 million, they're not going to go, well, that was a terrible investment. Come on, man. People got to think beyond their own words sometimes. And that's what they don't do with Vegas. It's annoying already. There was nobody who expected this to happen. There's nobody who's sitting it like your conspiracy theorist. There was 82 games that got played by right. 18 guys on a roster for 82 games. You can, hockey is a sport beyond most others that it would be virtually impossible to rig. You have too many factors to create a conspiracy theory out of 18 guys on a bench.
0: It's ridiculous. And And here's the other thing thing is I can look at at Vegas. Vegas, And when I I I look 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 at just 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 roster talent, do they have more just roster talent? And I mean, on the, on paper than the LA Kings answer is no. If you do it by the numbers, they don't more than the San Jose sharks. No more than Winnipeg. no, (laughs) What they have is the hardest-working bunch of hockey players in the league. That's what they have. Even you look at where Ben Bishop went, Dallas. Do they have more roster talent than Dallas? No. But these guys just work harder as a team. And when we look at this, we talk about roster talent. I think it's time we jump over to the East, and we got to look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, uh, well, hey, look, I love John Cooper as as a human being. I like him. I met him. I think he's a great guy. And when I remember, we're talking on the show, we're talking about what people do in their job as either a player, a coach, or a GM, not whether or not they're a good human being in their regular life. But John Cooper, we look at Tampa losing this uh, this uh, conference final to Washington. And here's why I think, and I haven't looked at news yet today, as this, is, uh, this just happened two days ago, so maybe it's already happened. But anyways, I do think that uh, your boy – Stephen Gregory Eiserman is going to be looking for a new coach there because let's look at, we could say, yeah, Tampa, three of the last four years, they've made it to uh, the conference final, win to the cup final once. But let's look at the four most important games of Cooper's career, which is game six against Chicago in the 2015 cup final. What happens? They lose two to nothing. Game seven in the conference final against Pittsburgh in 2016, what happens? They lose two to one. These last two games against Washington, shut out three to nothing, shut out four to nothing. Or was it five? No, four to nothing, yes. So, in the four biggest games of his career, with this team that is loaded with just scoring talent from Stamkos to Kucherov to Andre Palat to Tyler Johnson, then on the back end, you got guys like Victor Hedman. So, they should be putting up numbers. They've been outscored 11 to one and shut out three times in the four biggest games of Cooper's career. So I think that is going to be a factor when later on in this offseason, I do think he's going to get he's going to get let go by Eiserman, and it's because Stevie Y knows what it's like to be big in those big moments. He knows what it's like to coach a championship team, or sorry, play for a championship team. And I think Cooper is going to be viewed as a get-you-close coach, not a get-you-over-the-edge coach and get you to that cup final. You notice I did pronounce his name Steve Iserman. I didn't go Bill Clinton uh, like a 97 and say Steve Iserman
1: because I, I respect Zerman. the
0: man. I learned his name
1: properly. Iserman. <laughs> Steve Iserman. Uh, <laughs> that's Iserman. Um, you mentioned you – know, it's very funny because – The parallels between John Cooper, as you were talking about him, and the coach that just went ahead to the Stanley Cup final, Barry Trotz, had a similar road in Nashville. A lot of success, a lot of regular season success, some even postseason success, but it wasn't enough to get over the hump. And eventually, even great coaches sometimes don't resonate enough. And for that reason, you get removed. It doesn't mean to say that you're a bad coach. There's no way on this earth that you could get me to utter that Barry Trotz is a bad coach. But sometimes, sometimes, you just need another voice in the scope of professional sports and in hockey. And Barry Trotz, like, look, there's no question. If they didn't make the Stanley Cup final this year in Washington, Barry Trotz, done. Like, no re-signing as a coach. No way he, no. He was, if he was under a long-term contract still, fired. If he was up for renewal, not a chance. So he's avoided that by getting to the Stanley Cup final.
0: And And something where I I just got to take this moment to eat a little crow here, because when we first started, I was saying that this is it for Washington. And I thought I did pick Columbus to beat them in the first round. And honestly, I did pick Pittsburgh and I did pick Tampa. Okay, I did. But I was saying that what they need to do is if this is another playoff failure is it's time to just blow the team up. If either Ovechkin needs to go because you've gone as far as you're going to go with Ovechkin on that team, or you need to look at those secondary players like the Kuznetsovs and uh, Backstrom and guys like that. And they need to go. Something needs to change with that dynamic. And, you know, right when I say that, of course, you know, I said the same thing about the Sharks in 2016 and they went to the cup final. So, It's just one of those things that happen. So maybe I just need to – any team that's an underachiever over the years, when the playoffs start, if I let them know that this is the time you need to go, it's now or never, they're going to make it to the cup final. But, hey, you know, I own it. I own everything I say here, and I meant it when I said it. And it's good to see the Caps finally just, want to say, manned up and did what they needed to do because it was impressive the way that they beat Pittsburgh and also – when they, when they won the first two games against Tampa, and then dropped three straight, and you think, okay, here it comes. This is it, the collapse, that's it. Two shutouts to end that series against a powerful Tampa Bay Lightning team. Unreal. And, and, I, and you couldn't have said it any better than that. And,
1: and I think what a lot of people are finally starting to understand is, is that, I mean, Kuznetsov has been performing. And scoring timely goals. Now we gave him some gave him some heat earlier in the playoffs. But if yep. memory serves me right, he is he is the highest scoring player on the Washington Capitals, followed very closely behind by Alexander Ovechkin in these playoffs. So Ovi is no longer just the one carrying the goal or the load, but he's also scoring timely goals. Like Ovi exactly. scored the first goal of the game to clinch the game. Like he scored the game winning goal in Game Seven.
0: You don't get any more clutch than that. He scored. I saw that. the look on. Vasilevsky's face when they were doing the anthem. And it was weird because if you if you can go back, I don't know if any of you have that on tape, but Vasilevsky looked like he had seen a ghost during the national anthem when it was playing. And I was telling wifey, we were sitting here watching it, and I said, you know, he doesn't look like, he doesn't look good. And yeah. sure enough, that happens now. I understand as a goaltender, you're not going to win when your team gives you zero goal support. I get that. But maybe... It was just he had some type of premonition and just saw what was going to happen. Yeah, it's
1: it's really hard to come off a shutout loss and then to come back and get shut out again, like you said, with the offense that Tampa has. That that should not happen. Right. But that's another thing. And there was and I don't take credit for this. I can't take credit for this narrative. It was brought up by one of the sports media outlets up here in Toronto. And I think it's fair to say that Steve Samkos is going to start getting a little more scrutiny like Alexander Ovechkin has. Stamkos is just only four years into his career after Ovechkin was drafted, so there's a few years difference. But, I mean, even hardware-wise, you know, Stammer's got a couple of rocket Richard's. Stammer's an elite goal scorer in this league. And you look to him with the C on his sweater to be able to help lead his team. And he didn't do that. And the pressure and standard that Alexander Ovechkin faced for being that player. He's the prototypical generational goal scorer, and Steve Stamkos is very much in that mold. So there's a fairness in comparison, and I don't place all the blame on Stamkos. I never placed it all on Ovechkin. Right. But if we're going to be fair. There is that element of you're not scoring. Your job is to score, even though he set an all-time record for his franchise and power play points. Right. Stamkos wasn't an absolute zero, but he wasn't elite. He showed signs of that. He scored a couple of very timely goals against Washington that helped elevate his team to that 3-2 lead they had. But he didn't Mm -hmm. put the dagger in. Ovechkin did. And, and, And again, we relate to the fact that in a team game, it's unfair to place the emphasis on one player, right? In those games, too. It wasn't just Sam Coast that did not play. When you get skunked twice in a row, that is a team failure. And that is something that needs to be reflected. And like you were saying while we got into this discussion, unfortunately, in the nature of sports, that gets shouldered by the head coach. And in all likelihood, a very, very good coach is going to get scooped up by another team that's looking – And there are some teams that are going to be looking. Now, I know New York already hired their new head coach. But we'll see what shakes out once the Stanley Cup final is said and done. Now we have to look ahead. And oh, you you said it before you rolled the cameras. You've got your prediction glasses on, your prognostication glasses.
0: (laughs) I do. And you know what? They have a history because I did pick the Philadelphia Mm. Eagles to win the Super Bowl while wearing my special glasses here. So, oh. hey, you know what? They uh, I, they come through when I need them. That's the way it is. So now and, you know. Got we to predict? This co-
1: We've got to predict after all this.
0: this we is do, fair. yes, absolutely. A a hard place. This is terrible. I my prediction, I think, is boring. solid based on, really, I look at the teams playing. I'll go ahead and, and go first here because – Hey, I love Washington and I love Vegas. Congratulations to both. But here's what it comes down to. And when I talked about everything, we were talking about how the teams got here. I love the timely scoring and the way that Washington stepped up and they did dispatch Tampa the way that they did, which is fantastic. Now, on the other side, we got Vegas, who they've really gone through every team pretty easily. It took them six to to dispatch the Sharks, but – they have a chance to set a record for the fewest games played to win a Stanley Cup here. If they can, if they dispatch Washington, I think in five games. So, here's where I think the difference is going to be. And by the way, I love the way Holtby has played, and he's been shaky at times too, but he is solid for the playoffs. marc Andre Fleury solid. Uh, Fleury a Vesna candidate again this year, and Holtby, of course, the reigning. This is this is fantastic. So here's what's going to happen. The way I see it is. When I look at the defense core for Vegas, when I look at for the de- defense core for us uh, for Washington, that's where I think the difference is going to be. And here's where it comes to the whole styles make fights type of thing. The blue line of the Washington Capitals, I really don't think can, and I've watched them uh, make you know decisions after decision when they face that relentless forecheck of the Vegas Golden Knights, and it takes away their time and space to make plays coming out of their zone. I think that that's going to be the difference here because, yeah, Washington can forecheck as much as they want, but the blue line of the of the Knights is a little more mobile. And also, I don't think, from what I see, Washington is not quite as committed to the forecheck as a four-line team. They're not that committed. That's going to be the difference here. So I'm going to say in the most unlikely, unreal situation, a first-year expansion team – actually hoist the Stanley Cup. I'm going to say Vegas here. And honestly, I think it's so the one thing that Ovechkin said that was a little troubling was when uh, after he had picked up the Prince of Wales and he was, he was talking and he said, I can't wait to play a home game in Washington. You know what, Mr. Ovechkin, <laughs> you've got two cup final games to play in Vegas before you even get a chance to play in front of your own fans. You can't look past that. Maybe I'm making too much out of it, maybe not. But Vegas is going to come ready to play. They got a week off. So like I said, that torrid pace, anyone who maybe was feeling a little bit of fatigue, they've had a week to lick their wounds now. It's going to get started on Memorial Day. And I've got Vegas winning this. And in fact, I think it's going to be Vegas in five. Vegas in five, they win it. They'll take it in game five, which will be played at home. And can you imagine the parade down the strip in oh Las boy. Vegas? With well, the Stanley cup. I mean, there'd be involved. strippers everywhere. <laughs> there's booze involved. That's a given. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, Fat Tuesdays is going to sell out. Oh, boy.
1: Like, I'm in a real unenvi- unenviable position here because when you talked about defense, that was what was running through my head, is will Vegas' style and defense crush Washington? What – People forget is, is that we've drifted more in a game towards a zone-type defense. Vegas plays more man-to-man. So there's that more intense coverage, especially for players like, again, Patrick Laine. Patrick Laine looked up to Ovechkin. Patrick Laine's position is exactly like Ovechkin. Find that spot in the face-off dot in the offensive zone, wind up, 1-T, goal. Vegas shut that down. Right, most teams in the playoffs did. And I'm not trying to say that in year two Patrick Line is Alexander Ovechkin, Thank but you. that style <laughs> was was contained. Yes. So so that's a weapon that Vegas has already kind of trained themselves to adapt to in a round against a team that everyone was saying, How is how is Winnipeg gonna lose? And they lost handily. They lost right. in five games. So That was a surprise. The one thing that I think, and it's an intangible, and it's the only reason that, and again, I've always been an Ovechkin fan. I've loved that guy since day one. I don't disagree that Crosby is now the all-timer. He is a far better, more complete player, no doubt. Crosby, to me, is still the best player in the National Hockey League. He's proved that. But there is no goal scorer like Alexander Ovechkin I want to say, since Rocket Richard. yes, there have been other great goal scorers, Mike Bossy, but Mike Bossy was not like Ovechkin. Right. There was no, there is no player that is as physically dominant yet has such finesse for scoring since since Rocket Richard, The trophy named for the most goals in the season that is Ovechkin. He is the reincarnation of the most predominant physically dominant goal scorer of a generation i do believe only bobby hall could be set in that same type of breath whereas a mr hockey is more like gretzky more complete sure. points assists goals i'm not saying gretzky's lesser than these guys i'm talking about the kind of goal scorer ovechkin is and then you add the story along the lines that He hasn't won a cup yet. And that can be a real rallying cry. And let's hold on a second. Look at a player like Dave Anderchuk of the Tampa Bay Lightning. When they Mm -hmm. won the Stanley Cup, he was the engine. He was the one that everyone is saying, all right, we got to win this for Dave. And that can be something, the intangible that, that a team like Washington goes, yeah, it's a team game. But, man, are we ever tired of I mean, we can only imagine how tired Ovechkin is about hearing about it. But We're tired of hearing of it. We want to win a cup as a team, but more so, that guy's our captain. He's bled for this team. He's led this team. And to speak to what you said about him playing in front of his fans, I think it's more of the, I know we're going to get at least two games in front of our fans. It's going to be nice. It's been 20 years since they've seen a Stanley Cup final. Yes. (laughs) I want Washington to win. I don't think there's a bad ending to this story at all. Whether Washington wins and Ovechkin gets his cup finally, great ending. If Las Vegas surprises everyone in the world outside of the drunk people who made that bet back before they were a team, everyone's going to walk away happy and not have seen this coming at all. So there's a great ending no matter what. You're writing the script, it's going to be going to Jerry Bruckheimer if he can get over the fact that he was nudged out as a Vegas owner and is now spearheading the Seattle efforts. Give it to Jerry. He's a hockey fan. (laughs) all right, Detroit proud, you give it to him, he's going to make a hell of a movie out of this. But here's the other thing. And this is something that you end up learning through hardship. Stevie, Y had some hardship before he won a cup?
0: This could be a hardship.
1: This could be a hardship for Ovechkin that got that close and yet didn't win. And then to come back the next year, And that's the ultimate redemption because if my memory serves me right, Detroit lost in the final to a certain goaltender who could be heralded as the greatest of all time for his Stanley Cup. That would be 1995. That would be Martin Brodeur, right? Am I right? Detroit was the victim there. And then they they were. were. Yeah, and then they came back and did what the next season, rallying around a certain captain who still hadn't won a cup. So time has a way of taking time. (laughs) As much as I want to see Ovechkin win, and all throughout these playoffs, I've said my heart is saying Ovechkin, but my head is saying otherwise. My heart is now torn because I want Vegas or Washington to win. My head is split in half between left and right because I think both of them can win. So do you have a coin? Can I be two-faced from Batman and just flip? And either (laughs) way, I'm happy. Can I do that?
0: Well, wait a second here, Lottie. Now you, your heart has to get out of this whole thing. And I think what we have to look at is this. Vegas. Let's take the top I said two it. lines. I said it, okay, I just said it. Vegas. Okay. <laughs> Vegas. That's what my head is saying.
1: It's been saying it too much now. Vegas. I want Ovechkin to win, but damn it, my head is saying Vegas. And I'll leave it alone now before I change my mind. Vegas. Okay, I'm done.
0: I said it. Zip it. Done. And yeah, and I think one of the things that's going to happen here is I feel dirty. no matter what the top two lines of Washington do, even if they're able to cancel out the top two lines of Vegas, those bottom two lines, the bottom six forwards for Vegas, nobody in the league outworks them. They just don't. And if they have to be the difference in the game, they will. And also, on the blue line, Nate Schmidt has really been kind of unleashed. And he's showing puck-carrying ability that he really didn't have through the season. It's like the whole the confidence thing has been building and the coach is turning him loose a little bit more and more. And he's really becoming a force. And, hey, uh, the, everything is coming together for Vegas. I think I see them maturing as a team. And, honestly, I was witness to the 2012 Kings. And Vegas has that same kind of feel to me, the unstoppable goaltender, uh, the good puck movement, the work by all four lines. Vegas has to me the same feel as that 2012 L.A. Kings team. And uh, hey, no disrespect to Washington, but I think you know this is uh, this is it. Well, was uh, that this is it. They get to the Cup final, and uh, but I think Vegas is the one that's going to hoist the cup. Was it not that
1: year? By the way, you're talking about that that L.A. team and that certain goaltender named Jonathan Quick. Was that not the year that he set the record that Marc-Andre Fleury is actually flirting with in this playoff? Exactly. So, so yes. we're seeing, if you're saying it's that same kind of workhorse mentality team and you got a goaltender who's putting up historic numbers, like I said, I said it, I said it, and it hurt to say it because the part of my heart that says it's OV time, it's Ovi time, I'm rooting for Ovi my head said, how can you bet against Vegas at this point? So I'm not going to say it's five games. I can't say it going that I, I could legitimately seeing them finally getting pushed to seven because of that emotional engine for Washington to finally shut up critics and to finally say their captain, this man, this generational talent who has been maligned because a team couldn't win a cup finally right. is going to get it. So again, is there a bad ending to this? Can we, can we say that? Is there a bad ending to this? Absolutely not. Then, then I think we all walk away going, this could be one of the best Stanley Cup stories, if not the best Stanley Cup story in modern NHL history. It doesn't matter that there's not a Canadian team by geography. The Las Vegas Golden Knights roster is over 50% Canadian. So if you're Canadian and looking for a team to root for, that's as big a team <laughs> Canada as you're going to get. So if you need to apply to your pride, that's the team to root for. But uh, I you
0: know, see- I gotta go back though. If we we talk about when they them beating Winnipeg. Uh, when you talk about Patrick Line, and I think something that I think we may have messaged about during the series, but to me, I think he was he, he was nursing some kind of injury. It just looked like he didn't have the jump. He didn't have the lateral movement. That he really needed he could still get his shot off from a good stationary position but as far as the movement that we saw during the season he just he could not get by anyone he didn't seem to be able to get the jump on any of the vegas players so either the fatigue factor was getting to him maybe being so young and going this deep into the playoffs or he just had uh, some type of nagging lower body thing going on there because he just he never looked right to me in the series. Or is Vegas just that good, you know? I, th- I
1: think what it ultimately boils down to, and it's similar to what happened with Austin Matthews, is that the playoffs are a grind, and it's a different type of hockey. And sometimes it just takes that one year to really acclimatize and go, all right, I'm, I know I can be better than what I was. And it's not to say that Austin Matthews was completely invisible. Neither was line a but not every sophomore player is going to jump into the playoffs and immediately have the impact that we'd like to see from them. So we can chalk it up hopefully to a learning experience for both players like that. And, and line a, they haven't revealed an injury. He didn't say he was injured. So right. maybe we can just look at it as this is playoff hockey and, and he's going to, in his young career, continue to adapt to it. But in the meantime, he's, you're talking about young, we're talking about, a baby potentially winning the Stanley cup, a franchise who just popped out of the womb, who doesn't even know how to speak English came out and started to not only speak English, they were like Benjamin button. They went backwards. It's like you were born a Stanley cup champion. Now you might experience failure after that. It's like that never happens. So this is a story that we never saw coming. And, and to see it end any differently at this point now, would almost be a shock to everyone. It's like, what, Vegas didn't win? Place. <laughs> so, yeah, we're on the same page here. And uh, it hurt my heart to say it, but I'm going to stick with it. You back me into a corner. And, and yes, Las Vegas, Nevada will <coughs> be a Stanley Cup champion. Sorry, I got yep. a whole hairball. There, I couldn't bring myself to say
0: it fully. It the just first didn't... season of existence there, you know, division champion, conference championship, and the trifecta with the Stanley Cup banner. We shall see. Maybe Washington will spoil the party. But hey, remember, everybody, we do this every single week here during the season. We'll probably did a, a, an update in the middle of the Cup final. Definitely put a capper on the season and maybe something after the uh, NHL awards show happens. But... Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, remember, at The Inside Sports. Follow Lonnie on Twitter at Schwartz 5454 That's at The S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z 5454. And uh, remember, the show is talking Hockey. Thank you for joining us. So for Mr. Lonnie Schwartz, I'm Charles E. Smith Jr. signing off. Everybody have a terrific, safe, same Memorial Day. And remember, at 5 o'clock... Pacific Time, on Monday, on Memorial Day, go ahead and make yourself a plate of barbecue, plop down in front of the TV set, and get prepared for a truly historic, fantastic Stanley Cup final. Thank oh, you for joining us. We'll wait, see you wait, next wait. time. Make yeah.
1: sure it's Canadian beer. Good Canadian beer that you get. Even if you have to go to the store and get the import, get the Canadian beer to enjoy <laughs> with that barbecue. Come Should it be a Lebats or a Molson?
0: <laughs>
1: oh, Those are the only two beers, you know. Oh, (laughs) Charles, we can't be friends anymore.
0: (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.
1: Mm, Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to
0: www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Inside Sports Listeners, Act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code
1: POD5. That's P-O-D and the number 5 at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com.